talked about this a bit yesterday, and reason I wanted to bring it up today was because do you feel bad as a human being that Larry Nassar got stabbed three times in prison, or do you feel like good for him, he got what he deserved? My boy KC and I were sitting out back. It was after everything was done. We had a nice dinner at home. We Lee cooked up some steaks, and we sat out, and we had a chat. And the chat was simple. Larry Nassar stabbed three times. Does it upset you? Does it make you mad? Do you wish that it did not happen to him? Or do you say, "Ah, I wish that upon you. You're getting what you deserve. Uh, That's what I need to know from you today. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm like, yeah, kind of what you deserve. However, however, you hate to be that guy that wants other people hurt. Yeah, you just do. I don't like when people get fired, and we'll get into Pat Fitzgerald getting fired and why the players are punks at Northwestern. Otter Creek, you were fantastic yesterday. I'm glad we got to hang. Sean Black, you were unbelievable. Not only does Sean Black, El Presidente of the YouTube chat, and get to the YouTube chat because it is absolutely pooping right now. Sean Black hits golf ball 300 miles, and uh, he won a big wheelbarrow of booze. Sean, send me the picture because I want to get the picture of what you won yesterday in our outing on. But anyway, is Nasser or did Nasser get what he had coming to him in your mind? It's a tough question because most of us are pretty good dudes. Most of us are pretty good women and men. Most of us don't want to see people get hurt, but I got to tell you, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, you know what? I ain't mad about it. And then there's another part of me that says, boy, that's a bad thing. I always try to think about what I would have to confess in church. And I think what I would have to confess in church, ladies and gentlemen, would be being okay or actually happy that Nasser got shanked. And that ain't right. That's, That's not right. All right, I move along. Who didn't know this? Who didn't know that Sleepy Joe, Sniffin' Joe... Hey, little girl, or side boob grabbing Joe uh, didn't fume. He is an angry, mean old Joe. He likes the F-bomb. He likes to give it to the people privately. He likes to drop it on you like it's his job. I like it. I'm not mad about it. Uh, Sleepy Joe can now be called angry, mean Joe. He reportedly fumes and spews curse words at the people that he works for. Get the F out of here. Why the F did you see that? You can just roll the tweets, guys, when we're talking about it uh, and make sure we have them up there because I don't want to describe them. I want you to see them. But apparently, uh, he reportedly fumes and spews curse words at staff in private. Absolutely nobody is safe. I mean, it don't matter. See, look, When you don't know what you're doing, you cuss a lot. You do. And unless you grew up like me where you just cuss a lot, it doesn't matter. But sleepy, arrogant, ridiculous, side boob grabbing, sniffing little kids Joe is apparently mean old man Joe. And I'm here for it. Look, I tell you this all the time. Look, I I am who I am. You hear me drop bombs on here. You hear me criticize people. I'm not doing it behind closed doors. But you know all these politicians do it. I asked a friend of mine, Brad Retyke. Brad Retyke was the press uh, secretary, the communications director for Mike Pence as when Mike Pence was in the White House, our vice president. And I said to Brad, I saw him the other day, I go, all right, Lee and I have been watching Veep. We love Veep. How much is Veep real or how much is West Wing real? And he's like, oh, Veep 100 times. Veep is almost verbatim. 
And I got to tell you, if you watch Julia Louise Dreyfus, nobody swears it better than her. Nobody drops it in the middle, and nobody does it better than her. And I would guess that's not exactly Mike Pence's style, but I would guess that's 98.99999% of the folks in D.C. privately. If you don't know Veep, watch Veep. You can just roll these tweets, fellas. George Carl, the former coach, is mad at our Clay Travis. Everybody's mad at Clay Travis in the NBA. We saw Cuban get mad. We now have George Carl get mad. Pop doesn't hate America. He just hates Trump-loving a-holes like Clay Travis. Well, I'll be damned. The old coach, the old ball coach, I dedicated my life to ball. Really? I dedicate my life to being a good human being and helping humanity. Oh, I dedicated my life to ball. Whenever I hear somebody say that, I hear a lot of guys say that, I say, well, you dedicated your life to stupidity. But old George Carl, George Carl, he's like, hey, you know what? I tell you right now, man, I got to tell you, you love that Trump loving a-hole like that Clay Travis, you're going to go down, you're going to go down. Uh, of course, Clay wasn't having it. Pop doesn't hate the country, he just half the people, hates half the people here is a hell of an argument, George. Don't mess with Clay Travis. Do not mess with Clay Travis, particularly if your only background is an old ball coach. That's a pretty good comeback from our leader. Of course, George Carl was going to come back on it. George Carl was going to hit him back. Here are truths for those that let BS sources like OutKick and Clay Travis spin lies. Only 25% of Americans have positive view of Trump. 75 think he's done at least one illegal and unethical thing. And the NBA playoffs were the most watched for the league in five years. Au contraire. Watch what my man comes back with. Do not mess with Clay Travis, ladies and gentlemen, or he will make you cry in your outfit. Good morning, George. These kind of tweets are why the NBA has lost 85% of its finals audience over the past 25 years. Totally nonsensical, untrue, and insulting to basketball fans, regardless of their politics. Here's the data for you. And down goes Carl. Down goes the old 80-year-old ball coach. You know, I played for Dean Smith. I played for Dean. He didn't let me shoot the ball very much. Now, I tell you what, now I'm growing weed somewhere out in California or somewhere. I don't know, but that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go grow some weed. George Carl stepped back, go back to the home, talk about the time when, you know, Carmelo was the greatest thing to ever happen. Yeah, it was. You go get him, George. Old George Carl tried to take on Clay. See, here's the deal, all right? Here's the deal. You don't try to take on. Clay's just smarter than you. He did research. He's got data. George Carl saw a tweet somewhere and said, the NBA's most watched. No, it's not. Just stop. Stop it, stupid. Uh, The far right, our people, I guess, crazy, uh, they have an obsession with fitness, and it is going digital. That's right. We are insane with fitness. We love ourselves some fitness. Yeah. I don't want to hear about it. The pandemic fitness craze. Stop it, Dan. Stop talking. What is this? Now it's on here. See series listening to me. Pandemic fitness trends have gone extreme, literally extreme. We've got some of the stupidest stuff. We've got people climbing mountains without ropes. We got people climbing sides of building. I asked my nephew the other day, could you climb the side of a building, that house right there that was like four stories high? He goes, oh yeah. I go, would you do it? He goes, hell no. 
but a lot of people are doing it. A lot of people are doing extreme fitness, and good for them, but I'm not one of them. You know what I'm doing? Now that my golf tournament is over, I'm going on a 10-day till next Thursday, alcohol-free, sugar-free binge, 10 days, just because I'm going to clean it all out. I may go 36 hours without having a bite to eat, maybe a little broth. That's as extreme as I can get. But 92% of people are still on their Peloton, including this guy, after fitness. All right, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Pat Fitzgerald has been fired. Pat Fitzgerald, the beleaguered, the weirdo, I guess, or his weird players, has been fired by Northwestern University. And the Northwestern children, the players, are not happy about it. They are not taking it well. Well, I ask you, Northwestern players. In fact, I just put out a video to Northwestern players that are mad. And they're mad because, well, the old coach. The old coach got blank canned because, well... The players decided it was a good idea to get naked, do naked crawls, naked claps, naked soap up themselves in front of the shower and make players run through because the players of Northwestern really are perverted. I mean, I'll never understand it. Now I got guys saying, well, you know, Bobby Knight, you guys hazed just in a different way, yelling and screaming. Yeah, you're right. We did. Tough. You don't like it? So what? But we never did the nudity thing. We never did the sexual assault thing. We never did the stuff... Hey, we're going to slap you and dry hump you. At some point, the players, don't you agree, the players of Northwestern got to look themselves in the mirror and say, you know what? This is kind of on us. You know what? Ah, We caused a lot of this. You know what? We shouldn't have done that. Now, every time I see a Northwestern player from now on, I'm like, yeah, you're a weirdo. Used to be every time I saw a Northwestern player, I'd be like, man, you're a tough dude. You played for a tough coach. Played for a high-end academic institution. I'd hire you in a second. Now I'm like, yeah, you got a bunch of weirdos running around there. Now I'm like, what in the hell are you doing there in the locker room at Northwestern? And I told you yesterday that this firing was coming because of this one reason. When you have to have outside people monitor your locker room because your players are perverts, because your coach allows it, because it's a culture of somehow, some way, naked hazing. And no one's denying the hazing, by the way. So it's not like I'm speaking out of school. Sure, uh, Fitzpatrick, Fitzgerald, Fitz, whatever, is a great dude. Sure, he is the face of Northwestern. I would argue he's the most important figure in the history of Northwestern athletics. Nobody's not saying good dude. But he did what a lot of dumb meathead coaches do. He got on his little mount. He's got his little pillar. He's got his little kingdom. And on top of the kingdom is him. And he got to thinking he was untouchable because no coach with any common sense would allow that in this day and age. I don't know what they were doing back when Bear Bryant was having guys out at camp. I don't know what they were doing when Kay first started. I don't know what they were doing at Indiana when Knight first started. I only know what I've been involved in and it's never involved dry humping other men or nudity. Just say it in the locker room, naked, on my team, never, anywhere actually, but never. Just to give you a ball tap once in a while out in public just to say hello. But I got to tell you, it's just the weirdest thing. And none of these players are taking any accountability. You know what they're doing? They're doing the Biden strategy. This went from the Bob Knight strategy of round up all the players, ex-players, Ex- whoever, 
and talk great things about this strong man. Look at his chin. Yeah. That's what they do. So now everybody came out and said how great he is. He's the greatest thing. Oh, my God, he's the greatest. I'm so glad my kids take uh, 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 and played for him. I'm so glad blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, I haven't heard. I haven't heard anybody denying hazing. I'm looking. I'll look right now for you. Uh, I don't. I'm looking here. I'm scrolling. As anybody said, yeah, uh, the hazing never happened. They have tried to do the Bob Knight strategy of discredit the witnesses. They have tried to do that, and I'm all for it. I get it. Nobody gets it better than me. I understand. That's what Knight used to do, and I always used to tell him, yeah, I ain't lying for you. That was always my thing. Yeah, I mean, I'll do whatever, but I, I'm not lying for you, and if you got to fire me, you got to fire me, but I ain't lying for you. I remember he tried to get me involved in one of his lawsuits. I said, Coach, that's great, but I'm not lying for you. Here's what I saw happen. Here's what happened. You know, here's what this guy told me, Ron Felling, after he got punched by night. I'll do anything for you, but I'm not, uh, not, not a chance in holy hell am I going to sit there and lie for you. So all these guys are talking. All these guys are saying these things, but nobody is denying that they were hazing because they can't. There was a six-month investigation that found there was hazing. Now, old boy here says he didn't know nothing, man. He didn't know nothing. Hey, man, I ain't knowing nothing is what old Fitzy says. That's cool. That's great. All right. Fine. You do it. Here's one of the players. You ready? One of the players says, Marshall Lang, uh, Mike Schill and Derek Craig didn't even have the balls to show up in person to tell the team. Too busy on vacation to even care. Embarrassing administration. Yeah? How about... Michael Schill and Derek Craig don't have to clean up your all's mess, which they have to do, but they don't have to do it in person. I mean, look, uh, Charlie McGarry, who is another player, he's mad because to zoom in to make a statement like this and leave before allowing uh, questions for questions, be baffled, terrible. Hey, uh, how about you guys don't get naked? How about you guys act like people? Like, Charlie Mangieri is a wide receiver. So, right, good for Charlie. And then, of course, Marshall Lang it looks like a tight end. And these are smart kids. But how about you don't try to distract? How about Sam Humphreys and others? How about you apologize for your abhorrent behavior? How about we do that instead of blame and deflect? Uh, look, I don't know what. You know, people think, but this is what we did, and we're sorry. Stupid. Feel terrible, we, we let down coach. I mean, you can get coach off the hook doing that. You, you can lie, act like Fitz didn't know. I don't know whether he knew or not, but it sure seems like he did because people are apparently putting screenshots right there. I'm just saying. So long story short, hey, players, you're doing what you do. Uh, your employees, does every employee – have the right to be on a Zoom when another employee gets fired? Hell no. These guys all want to be employees, but man, when it don't go their way, they don't like it. They don't like it even a little bit. You're an employee. under no, no obligation. What am I supposed to do? I'm on vacation with my wife. Fly home because you guys act like idiots? How entitled are Northwestern players? First, how perverted, and then how entitled. It's really, and it's truly, absolutely amazing. Speaking of entitled, Bomani Jones lost another job. 
Bamani Jones, I'm going to just tra- uh, segue here because it flows better. Bamani Jones lost another job. Bamani Jones always loses a job. None of us really care about Bamani Jones except when he blames white folks. It's got to be the white folks. Hey, Mr. White Folks. Oh, the white folks. You know what? It's always the white folks' fault. Hell, Greg Popovich, 74-year-old white folk, he don't like 50, 60, 70-year-old white folk. He blames us. Uh, Jamel Hill ran out of white folk to blame, so Jamel Hill went and blamed Asians for white supremacy. Well, Obamani Jones and his crew, it's not their fault he stinks. It's not their fault he's been fired from every job that he has. It's white folks. Them damn white folks. White folks this. White folks that. White folks stick it up your... Wait a second. I didn't say that. I mean, seriously, I get tired of it. You can show the video or you can show the uh, the tweet, please, so I don't have to keep stalling here. There you go. Lastly, I don't feel any personal disappointment in the show being canceled. This blank is above United States. They canceled everything these days. It's some white folks in suits deciding all that. I'm just proud of the work we did. And no one can make me feel less than that. There you go, Rod. It's white folks. It's always white folks. You white folks out there. I mean, there's no way that an African-American host who gets fired from every job that he's ever had after being given all of these different jobs could be the problem. It, it, you can't. It can't be Bomani Jones. It's got to be White folks, let's see. Lastly, I don't feel any personal disappointment in the show. This Blake is above United States, canceling everything. It's some white folks in suits. Yo, white folks. Yeah, because, well, let's be honest. Everybody wants to listen and watch Bomani Jones. Well, wait, no, he didn't. He lost 80% of his audience over the last two years. Only guy to have a TV show canceled on ESP, or ESPN, a radio show canceled on ESPN, And, of course, now on HBO, cancel. And it's all because of Mr. White, folks. I'm, ah, man, I'm losing my voice. Mr. White, folks, will get you. He will get you every single time. Uh, Speaking of this, let's put this up as soon as you can. Uh, Zion Williamson, he's got no interest in getting better. Zion, Zion Williamson, he of baby mama drama. He got the babies all over the place. He's just slinging that thing around. He got the hooker pregnant or whatever it is. He's got this. He's got that. But Zion Williamson, according to Rick Buecher, where are the floaters? Up and under lamps. His pull-up jumper is at the elbow. Now, uh, from what I've been told, he's shown no interest in developing any of these tricks, tricks that Blake Griffin learned along with a decent three-point shot when injuries started to pile up for him and allow him to single-handedly drag the Pistons to a playoff berth. Now, here's the deal. This is, I don't know whether Rick Buecher knows anything about basketball or not. Rick Buecher's a guy that's been on ESPN, never played, never coached. I don't know. But he's not really wrong here. And when you are only in your second or third year and you are as immensely talented as Zion Williamson, here's what I read into this. You're being not compared to Jordan, not not compared to Barkley in their prime, not compared to Durant or the Greek freak, any of the modern-day heroes of hoops. No, no. You're being compared now, ladies and gentlemen, to Blake Griffin at the end of his career. So regardless of whether or not Rick Buecher knows anything about basketball, that's the comparison that is now being made. Look, 
It used to be, man, this guy's better than Barkley. He's got more skill. He got more blah, 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 blah. Now it's like, hey, uh, baby mama drama guy. You're so fat. You're so ridiculous. You're so lazy that we're trying to get you, trying to get you off up top of the ladies or off behind the ladies and get you in a position where you actually work on the thing that's making you millions. And let's be honest, the only thing anybody really cares about you, including your ladies. So get your fat ass up and start working on your game is what I would tell him were I the general manager. Now, I would get fired because that would be demeaning language, but it's truthful. And it's the only thing that works with certain guys. Zion, look at you. We just had to extend the seats so you could sit. You've been hurt. You've been hurt from the day you sat on an NBA court in the summertime because you're too fat. Basketball is a sport for feet and legs, not big fat guys. Big fat guys become skinny guys, and then they become good. This is what Barkley was told by Moses Malone. So when Barkley heard this from Moses Malone, guess what he did? He got embarrassed, and he got to work. He got a diet. Somebody needs to have the stones to say, look, fatass, go to work or get gone. Or quit embarrassing yourself. Get serious about your crap. I'm just saying. I am just saying. Hey, the White House appears to be covering up the whole cocaine thing. The White House doesn't want to talk about it. And, of course, 39.2% of the time during his regime, uh, Joe Biden's been on vacation. He was laying on a Rehoboth's beat the, uh, beach the other day, and no one was even paying attention to him. Like, what are you doing, Jolton Joe? You don't get any side boob laying on your back. You got to go out and meet the people. You got to go meet the people. I had a nice chat with a guy that worked in the White House. Said, yeah, probably just a staffer. Probably somebody got nervous, threw it away, didn't come back and get it. No, nah, true story. That's what they're saying. I don't know. I mean, I think Hunter Biden was probably the guy that had it. I'm sure Hunter Biden was probably involved in some way. But, you know, nobody knows. And I will give credit where it is due. Uh, there's a cover-up, and here's a little bit of a video talking about the cover-up. So, you know, now we're hearing that you all aren't going to get any, any information on this investigation until later in the month. If the cocaine was found on a bag, doesn't it have fingerprints on it? And how long would it take to answer that question? Weeks? Days? Well, hours? Uh, Half an hour? You know, that's just, a, you know, Martha, Martha, that's a great question because I asked this several uh, down in Texas, I asked some of our state troopers, uh, Texas Rangers and sheriffs, those kind of people who do this for a living for decades. And they all said to me that on very porous surfaces like bags and envelopes, you'll be able to determine within an hour if there's uh, fingerprints on it. Within an hour. By my math, we're 192 hours from the time it was discovered. And yet we don't know because if there was no fingerprints, they could have told us immediately. So I suspect there are fingerprints and you can run it through a database. And this was found where high level aides and staffers are. So most of them were at fingerprinted at one time or another. So they very well may already know who it belongs to and aren't sharing it with us. And that's my greatest concern and worry. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, we can find again, we can find, according to Emma Jo Morris, Saddam Hussein in a hole. And we don't know whose coke it was two steps from the Oval Office or 20 steps or 100 steps or who the hell knows where it was? I don't know. Is it really that big a mystery? Come on, baby. 
Come on, baby. One of you little kids, you got to admit to the coca plant. Admit to it. But the media don't care. The media just don't care. Just cop to the coke, Hunter. You'll get up. Look, if Hunter had any integrity, he knows who the coke is. And he would say, yeah, it's my coke. What are you going to do? And not, no charges would be filed. I mean, the dude's driving around with a loaded shotgun with hookers on his ass. And next thing you know, you know, nothing happens. So cop to the coke. Just do it. We're not mad at you. Just cop to it. No big deal. Well, I mean, what, 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 what's going to happen now? You think something bad's going to happen? Come on. These dudes take bribes. These dudes lie to us and nothing ever happens. Uh, Megan Rapinoe's mad. Megan Rapinoe. Oh, she mad. She mad at Sage. She mad at Martina. She mad at everybody. She mad at Dave Chappelle. She says that anybody supporting the idea that women turning men should not compete against women uh, doesn't understand that they're actually women and you're telling on yourself. I'm telling on myself. I am telling on myself. I don't think chest feeding is right for men. I don't. Megan Ramino. She was mean. And all Martina Navratilova said back was, yikes. You don't care anymore. Like, we understand ESPN has to. We understand ESPN has to give these folks, because it checks their little boxes, uh, has to give them awards. When it really should go to Peyton Hillis, who is the most courageous dude maybe on the earth, going into the water, having to swim past his struggling son to get to his niece to save them both. Then he ends up in the hospital. But hey, Megan Rapinoe's bitching about Dave Chappelle. Let's give her an award. It's like East Coast basketball. Dickie V, I'm going out to get an award. Oh, really? Oh, great. Everybody in the East Coast gets an award. Yeah, it's unbelievable. We're having an award ceremony for uh, Slappy Johnny, Gary DeCesar. He coached 26 years, and we're going to give him the Maritime. And everybody's going to be there. Oh, okay. I'm telling on myself, I don't believe these folks are women until they do the whole deal. Yeah, I don't believe Leah Thomas is a woman until he cuts off the junk, stuffs it up in there, uh, and you know what? Grows himself a set of double Ds. I don't. Sorry, I don't. I don't even believe he's a woman then because he doesn't have a uterus, doesn't have periods, and doesn't have babies. So you can get mad at me, and I'm telling on myself all you want, but you are not the high priestess of any type morality, not even a little bit. So now, of course, she says transgender people should play sports. Well, of course, would she say the same if her roster spot was on the line? Of course not. Of course she wouldn't. We're not stupid. We understand these folk. We understand the likes of Rapino. We understand Sue Bird. We understand all these clowns. You know, they're exactly like Ellen DeGeneres. Laugh, sheepy, laugh. Instead, in real life, they're horrible to be around. I have heard more horror stories about Rapino and Bird than I can even imagine. I've had enough of both of them. So I'm, she says anybody disputing that men are women and women are men is telling on themselves, I am telling on myself, and I am willing to take the consequences for said telling. I am. I'm sorry. I am. Danny Z is going to join us. Bomani Jones I'm going to get his take. He wrote the article, white people, white folks, you're responsible for a guy, I guess, at ESPN not having a job. I guess you're responsible now on ESPN Radio, who was ran by a black guy, Dave Roberts. And I guess you're responsible, I suppose, for nobody, white folks, for listening to him on either of those shows. And then, white folks, you're responsible for, oh, I suppose, 
uh, losing 80% of the audience because his producer says this is beyond the United States. Yes, I agree. Some little dipstick producer and Bamani Jones are above. Their thinking is so deep, it can't be handled in the United States. My ass. Uh, we're going to talk about that with Danny Z. We're going to talk about Jamel Hill. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. Danny Z is awesome. We love him. And he joins us next. Stay here. Where are you going? And tweet our show. Otter Creek. Great stuff yesterday. Love the post-golf uh, tournament hang. Fantastic. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Well, Danny Z's just a stud. He reminds me a little of myself. Just why we walk around, handsome as hell, just, you know. Uh, I read this, courtesy of Doug Gottlieb. Tomorrow, Bob Huggins will announce that he is going to still be the football coach at Northwestern. That's not bad. Uh, that's all right. Huggins wants back. Fitzgerald wants back. Uh, the naked players are taking no accountability. I'm going to lump these two things in one. Give me your take on what's going on with the white folks coaching sports in the NCAA. Oh, we're going to, we're going to start here. Thanks. I appreciate you bringing me in with a nice soft landing spot. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of, especially of the Pat Fitzgerald stuff, because it feels like his reputation has always been squeaky clean. And now we're getting all these re- conflicting reports. Guys are going to bat for him, but then there's this story. And, and the other thing I think that's really interesting is to go from a two week suspension to a you're fired in what one day, day and a half is a wild change of course for a school and i saw one of the outkick producers uh davy i believe which i thought was a really interesting point he said you know either they found some kind of crazy smoking gun in the last 36 hours or they completely caved to public pressure and if it's the latter man i'm just tired of these organizations and corporations taking the easy way out and feeling like twitter pressure decides everything for them I agree with that. You know, outside pressure, influence, you know, we can't have our university look bad, blah, blah, blah. I knew he was fired, and I said this yesterday, when I saw a uh, one of the agreements that he made, other than the two-week suspension, was to have an independent person monitoring his locker room. And I, and I said he had a lot of money in college coaches. Like, he makes millions. Assistants make uh, – coordinators make millions – and a lot of experience in locker rooms, and you're bringing an outside guy, that tells me the university did not trust him or his staff anymore, and that's a problem, real problem. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you would know certainly better than I would. What would you think if your school came to you and was like, hey, Dan, we're going we're gonna to put someone in your practices mm. in your locker rooms to keep mm. an eye on you? Hmm. That'd be a tough one, particularly, you know, you want to keep an eye on me, fine, but, you know, it's going to be exhausting for that guy because we're going to go recruit and get back. But to to control my locker room, I don't think that would work out too good. I really don't. I I think that's bad business. And I knew he was done, Danny. I did. I knew he was done. As soon as I read that, I'm like, ah, man, I I don't see uh, any of this happening. Bamani Jones blaming white folks. You're a white folk. Are you to blame for Bamani Jones's again failing at a job with which he was given by white folk 
with him having real no background or basis. He's been given these jobs. He screwed it up. And now it's our fault. It's my fault. I'll take the blame. Oh, I was going to take the blame. Well, thank you, Dan. We appreciate it. On behalf of other white people, because, you know, yeah. we got to lump ourselves in with everybody. You and I are basically the same human being. Yeah. We have the same first name. We're both white. Uh, I, man, I, I don't know what else to say about, about the guy. What, what, what's fascinating to me more than anything is not just Bomani Jones. It's all of the allies he seems to have in the media. I mean, if you look back just throughout the course of his career, New York Times, Washington Post, like the the number of puff pieces that have been produced around him and allowed him to speak with impunity. I mean, you get quotes from articles of him. You know, there's one titled Bomani Jones says, you know, he failed at ESPN. It wasn't his fault. And I guess that's the state of sort of journalism. I'll put that in, in air quotes today where you just let people say things that are insane with out challenging them so that they'll continue to speak with you. I guess this happens with with Biden quite frequently. There was a recent might have been 60 minutes, like a super, you know, legacy organization has Biden on. They ask him about Hunter Biden. He says he loves his son and they're like, "Okay, moving on." It's like, "Well, no, 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 no. We need to follow up. This is the part where you ask a follow-up question. You don't just let him say I love my son and and move on. We we've, we've got questions. We need answers." Um but the, the most egregious one, and, and I wrote a long piece about this because I just I couldn't take it. Deadspin posted an article. Oh. <laughs> can already tell where that's going. Deadspin writes an article of about a thousand words where the the ethos of the article is Bomani Jones' show was too good and too smart. And that's why it failed. And I I it, it honestly reads like parody, like something that would have been created by the Babylon Bee. Like you're reading through it and you're like, is this like this is a serious take by a serious human being? And I saw it get shared again by many of Bomani's friends in the media. Like, oh, you got to check out the great Quran Phillips wrote an excellent piece on Bomani oh, Jones. God. Like, what are we talking about? His show was too good. That's why it failed. That's the point which we've reached with Bomani Jones is that immediately after the failure comes down, all of his cronies in the media start circling and it's time to time to play the race card, time to play this card, time to we got it. We got to defend the guy. We got to defend him. Karan uh, Phillips was completely, totally disrespected by every person that he worked with in New York to the point where he had to move to Atlanta and guys that I knew that worked with him are like, worst dude ever. So if he writes an article about what a good dude you are, you know you're a bad dude by association. And Deadspin used to be something. Deadspin used to be a go-to place. What happened to Deadspin with Karan Phillips? Dan, the very first line in my story, I kid you not, is I miss Deadspin. That is how I started the article, because I, I wanted to establish that I like Deadspin. I always liked Deadspin. I enjoyed everything they did. They're the ones that broke the Manti Teo story. Like, they used to actually do stuff. And now it's just a another one of these crazy left-wing propagandist websites where Bomani Jones gets fired, and immediately we're trying to figure out what we can say that makes it not his fault, couldn't possibly be that Bomani Jones just is not someone people want to watch on television or listen to on the radio. I mean, and that's the other thing. 
he's had opportunities in basically every medium, every platform you can imagine. He's had a podcast, he's had a radio show, TV show, he's been on HBO, premium cable, he's been on ESPN, regular. Like, he's been everywhere. It's not working. It's not working. He's not meant to be on television. People don't really care that much about what he thinks. And it'll be interesting because the reports are now that ESPN is finally going to let his contract run out because they realize he provides no value. And actually, the HBO canceling probably provides them a little bit of cover. Like, look, you, you've now been canceled by a couple of networks. Like, there's nothing more we can do here. Danny, it's not just us. It's, you know, it's, it, you know. I used to tell players once in a while, look, it's not just me that thinks you're a horse bleep human being. It's your teammate, you know, so get out of here. You know, I mean, hey, look, it's not just us. I, I'm a little pissed about this, and I don't get mad about I, I think ESPN and the ESPYs, I know what they are. I know exactly what they are. They are a pandering, ridiculous, far-left celebration of their own stupidity. But this did piss me off. It seems like every year Megan Rapino and Sue Bird and all the little – Ladies of the women's soccer team get some award, Arthur Ashe Courage Award. I'm sitting there looking at Peyton Hillis, and I'm like, wait a second. As a father of two, I'm swimming in riptides. I got to go past my son because he wasn't in as much danger as my niece. I save them both. I pass out. I'm on a ventilator. I'm in a coma, and we're going to give something to freaking Megan Rapino and her little idiots? No, this has me jacked. This has me pissed, Danny Z. Yeah, when I mean, like you said, when I saw the, you know, that they released the press release that was like, hey, we're going to give the Courage Award to the U.S. Women's National Team, I was like, yeah, on brand. Um, I have thoughts about that. We can get into it if you'd like. But to to specifically address the, the Peyton Hillis thing, I, <laughs> the idea that these women who filed a lawsuit, probably didn't spend much time in the courtroom either, like let their lawyers did, uh, essentially filed a lawsuit or had a, a law firm file it on their behalf, are more brave than a man who nearly died. And to your point, and, and the craziest part of the story is that his son was drowning, yet he passed him because he knew the only shot to save both children was to get to his niece first and then circle back for his son. Like the Courage, bravery, that doesn't even begin to cover what Peyton Hillis showed in that moment. Th those are just two of the 20 words we could come up with. And yet, no, we're going to go with the uh, U.S. women's national team. Um, I'm annoyed by this whole equal pay debate in the first place because, to me, look, the U.S. women's national team, they want more money. And as a capitalist, I got no problem with that. If you got leverage and you want your employer to pay you more, I'm fine with that. My issue comes when they start chanting equal pay and things like this, because it's not an equal pay lawsuit. It's a we want more money lawsuit. If they went to the U.S. Soccer Federation and said, hey, we want equal pay, and they went, okay, great. We're going to lower the men's pay down so that you guys are equal. You think they'd be like, okay, that's exactly what we wanted. No, they'd be like, no, we want more money. Like, right, so say that. But we want more money doesn't look nearly as good on a bumper sticker. It's not as good a hashtag as hashtag equal pay. And that's why this whole thing gained notoriety over what the lawsuit wasn't even about in the first place. And by the way, most people don't realize this. They only won the part of the lawsuit about 
things like travel, like they weren't being, uh, their travel wasn't being funded as well and, and all that. The part where the actual pay, the judge ruled you make more than the men. Like your pay is more than fair for what you do and you negotiated it. So what would you like me to do? And it was viewed as a big victory for them as like, oh, they got the equal pay. Like, not really. If you read what the judge said, he basically said, no, the, the, this is fair. There's no problems here. You just need to have better accommodations and better travel because they get better of that. Like, okay, fine. Danny, I, I, I fail to see it's – a, it's a courageous award. So I fail to see where the courage was. I mean, people file lawsuits every freaking day. Like every day, every way, look at someone wrong on a street. Next thing you know, you're going to be in front of a lawsuit judge in a civil court. I mean, and not what's all, the not courage all, in that? And not only that, the lawsuit that they're filing is everything that the media loves. So their coverage was positive. They get to have parades. They get to say whatever they want. Like where, at least if the lawsuit were they were fighting something where the media was going to attack them for it. Perhaps we could have a conversation, but this was right. literally something that everyone is in support of. All of their friends in the media are supporting it. And like you said, they're filing a lawsuit, which requires nothing but some paperwork, hiring a lawyer. Uh, it, it's ins- Dan, it's insane. It's insane. But, you know, like we said, it's, it's perfectly on brand for both them and ESPN. I know, and I'm. I was texting with Pat McAfee last night. He he had texted oh. me some stuff, and it we're gonna na- we're gonna we're gonna name yes. drop out here today. Well, if you want me to, then Urban Meyer called me <laughs> after to see how our our golf thing had gone. So I mean, I can sit here all day, pal. But I I, I reason I bring up Pat is because I think he's the host. I think he's gonna host. He hasn't said it, but you know they're getting his show going probably end of August that kind of thing and. So I think he's going to host it, and, I, you know, fine. The ESPYs are great. I mean, it's great. You want to celebrate sports at night, but God dang. I mean, it does. everything doesn't have to be pandering. It can be actual. Like, make it actual. Pat is an actual, like Peyton or Pat or Seth Curry. Of course you want to do that if you get the opportunity. But one of the reasons we love all three is because they're real dudes, but the award isn't real, and it pisses me off for some reason. I'm not sure why. It just does. Yeah, last year I think I wrote I think I wrote an article last year about I believe like a U.S. women's corner kick. A, a, a woman made a corner kick and scored. Cool, I guess, but you know nothing special. We see them all the time, and that one best play over a one-armed high schooler who stole the yes. ball from his opponent and dunked it, and literally in the ESPN press release. His dunk was listed as, like, play of the year. It didn't win play of the year. A corner kick scored by a women's soccer player won play of the year over a one-armed basketball player stealing the ball from an opponent and dunking it. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? And, and, and I'll even give you this. The player was African-American. Oh, like no. some white dude basketball player. I mean, I, I I think I remember your article on that and I laughed my, you know, off because it's like, what the hell? But anyway, so I guess, Hey, look, go file yourself a lawsuit. We'll make you the outkick. Dan, uh, don't at me show courageous man of the year. Cause you found a lawyer. Wow. Yay. 
Ra. USA. Thanks, Danny USA. Z. USA. Yeah. Thanks, my friend. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> it's been way too long. It's been way too long with Danny Z. But think about this. You're in a riptide. And you know you all three may die. And you are, like, losing kidneys. Here's your son's fighting, but you look over and there's your niece. And you got to go past your son? Oh, man. And then you go save your niece. And you come back, you save your son. They drag you onto the beach. And you're, you're dead, basically. They revive you. Your kidneys have shut down. Uh, and you're in a hospital in a coma. But you save people. Uh, but no, look, we got to get Alex Morgan on the stage. We got to get Rapino and her girlfriend, wife, whatever up there. No, 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 no. Right. Oh, no, no, no. All we need is Hope Solo or whatever the hell her dumbass was to get drunk driving and start beating up her husband or whatever she did. I mean, serious business. Just think about that for just a second. Just a second. Seriously. It's insane. Ah. All right, apparently the view's back. Uh, Ana Navarro, uh, you know, the funniest thing that I see in the media... Uh, at least not, you know, the sports media. The funniest thing is this thing with ESPN. And have, by the way, I had a dream last night, true story, and it was very real, that I went to ESPN. They offered me 43 day, uh, shows, 43 days for like five grand a show. And I'm like, all right. And I, they said, we're going to start you in the minor leagues because we want to pump up the minor leagues. And they were telling me how good I am. Uh, and then I woke up. I'm like, Lee, I think I'm working for ESPN doing college basketball games in the minor leagues. She goes, Dan, you didn't go to ESPN last night. I go, oh, yeah. Okay, I thought maybe I did. I could not remember. Huh. Anyway, uh, the view. The view's mad. I go around like a dog in Florida. Everybody's mad at Florida. Look at this thing. I go around like a dog in Florida with my head outside my car. Let's see and let's hear from this thing. Well, it wasn't me in New Hampshire screaming, we say gay. <laughs> no, I wish I would have. I, I try to do it every time I, I'm anywhere near uh, Ron DeSantis or any of his people. Um, I just, like, I go around like a dog in Florida with my head outside of my car. We say gay! We say gay! We say gay! But, anyways, cha-cha. I... I mean, nobody doesn't say gay. I mean, look at this. You go around with your head outside like a dog. Well, good for you. We say gay. We say gay. All right. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Yeah. Oh, we do too. Everybody does. It's not about whether you say gay or not. It's about whether or not you're going to let mutilating kids happen, and apparently this thing wants kids being mutilated. And that's cool. I got no problem with that. I don't. Uh, here you go. 50 Cent knows a thing or two about dangerous criminals. 50 Cent is saying, hey, look, L.A., you're finished. It's over. The city reinstates a no-bail policy. Over. We're done. Look, let me tell you something. I don't want to hear... From criminals. I don't. I, I you know, rappers, great, yay rock, go fight win. 
blah, 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 blah. But I'm tired of them. Like, you know, I listen and I see all these guys. What's the guy's name? Snoop Dogg. You know, Snoop Dogg, great guy. We all love Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg's in all our commercials. But he's a sex trafficker that for years and years and years told people, well, women are hoes. That's all they're good for is being a hoe and you're a pimp. I mean, why do I need to listen to that? I don't think I do. I don't think I want to. But I'm not mad about it. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. But, uh, yeah, here it is. 50 Cent says L.A. is about to get out of control thanks to a a so-called no-bail reform. The hip-hop out-of-control icon took to Instagram to bemoan the ongoing crime crisis in the City of Angels said it's going to even get worse after a judge recently reinstated a controversial no-bail policy. There, L.A. is finished. Watch how bad it gets here. Uh, There you go. City officials implemented the no-bail policy during covid uh, to ease pressure on crowded jail cells, decree that inmates already behind bars for crimes such as shoplifting, vandalism, and drug possession get released. 50 Cent ain't wrong. 50 Cent is right. So maybe I do agree with rappers. Maybe I should listen to Snoop Dogg more. I don't know. Maybe I should, but I don't think I will. I'm tired of all of it. I am. Every day I see crime. And 50 Cent's absolutely, positively, 1,000% correct. You are correct, sir. You are Correct. And he's not, you know, and again, I, I don't, you know, I don't live in L.A. I don't want to be in L.A., but what happens in L.A. is going to spread to us. I don't know what the problem is with Jonah Hill. Everybody's mad at Jonah Hill. You know, one of the things that people in relationships will tell you, relationship, I went to marriage counseling, my first marriage. What they will tell you is you got to be open. You got to be honest, even if it's uncomfortable. You got to speak uncomfortable truths. That's what that Acho guy, uncomfortable conversations with a black man. Okay. That's great. Well, anyway, uh, here's the deal. So Jonah Hill, well, let's play the video. Can we go to the video? Is Jonah Hill right or wrong here? We're going to get into this for a minute. Okay, time for a little therapy session of our own because I am here to defend Jonah Hill after his ex, Sarah Brady, called him an emotionally abusive misogynist for trying to set some boundaries in their relationship. As we all know, boundaries are absolutely necessary to make both sides feel secure and comfortable. The things that Jonah was asking from his girlfriend did not seem to be something so crazy. A, he was asking her not to post videos and pictures of herself surfing in thongs. That's totally fine. He's not saying don't pursue your passion of surfing. Just please, if you're going to post it in an attempt to promote yourself, do it in something a little more modest. In my opinion, totally acceptable. B, do not have relationships without boundaries with men. Uh, Also acceptable because let's be honest, not everybody has the same motive. And most men, I will say from personal experience, are looking to be more than your friend. Okay, so also something just to be mindful of. C, not to be having relationships with women who are unstable. Also, fine. He's not saying don't go to your best friend's house when she needs a shoulder to cry because she just broke up with her boyfriend. He's saying don't put yourself in positions where you're going to be influenced by the wrong types of people. That's not the kind of girl I want in my life. I see nothing wrong with what happened here. I am team Jonah Hill all the way. And if you ask me, this is nothing more than a play for attention because the timing of her releasing these texts is very odd. They occurred in 2021. Why, two years later, are you just now releasing them? Duh, there you go, Charlie. You go, girl, she's right. No surfing with men. All right, hey, look, I don't like it. Boundless, boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men. Hey, look, that's just what, you know, I don't want you to model, he says, to post pictures of yourself in bathing suits. Don't pick sexual pictures. Friendships with women who are unstable places. 
and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful. Yeah, I'm not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it. And there'll be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for romantic partnerships. My boundaries with you based on the ways these actions have hurt our trust. What's wrong with that? I mean, what's wrong with being up front? 350 million people around here and we're all supposed to think alike? I mean, we're all supposed to think alike? All right. Jonah Hill selling complete unrelenting control merch amid X's emotional abuse claims. Good for Jonah Hill. I don't like the hair anymore. I like the tan. But good for Jonah Hill. Look, I, if you don't like it, fine. But I'm just, look, you have these conversations. You talk to your wife. You know, I, I think your friend's nuts. I think, you know, I know if she's stooping our friend over here. I know she's stooping this dude, you know, and she's married. Uh, that's why, look, I, I, that's why I broke up with Greg Doyle. Plain and simple is why I didn't let Greg Doyle into my house. I knew what he was doing. We're friends. That's fine. But you're not living in my house with my daughter when I know what you're doing with married women. As a married man, I'm not, you know, fine. Don't get mad about it. There's no reason for any of There's no reason for anybody to be upset. And every woman that I know is like, you know what? Uh, That's pretty good. At least you know what you know. At least you know what you're supposed to do. At least you know how you're supposed to go about your business. At least you know, period. So, hey, long story short, I ain't mad at Jonah Hill, and I don't know a single woman that's mad at Jonah Hill. I don't. I don't know a single one. You know, Lee and I were talking about it. She's like, well, this." she made the point to me. She goes, you know, uh, don't you talk about these things? Hey, look, I really would rather you, you know, let's just have our relationship. You don't need to post yourself, you know, like most women. Like every little girl that plays sports in college now taking off your clothes and posting yourself in a bikini. Okay, he said, I don't like it. What are you going to do? I'm mad at you, Jonah Hill. I'm not even a little bit mad at you. I think you're right. I think you are 1,000% correct. I do. And so do most women. All right, when we come back, uh, Merrill Hodge is going to join us. Merrill Hodge, he of ESPN, he of the Pittsburgh Steelers, he of the big, remember Merrill always had the big tie. He always had the big tie. He did. I like, he always had the big tie. Otter Creek, Sean Black, thank you all for attending yesterday. Thank you all for being on our YouTube chat right now. The YouTube chat is pumping. We're going to be back. Merrill Hodge is going to join us. We're going to get into a bunch of stuff. You white folks out there, you're costing Bomani Jones's job because you're not smart enough to handle the stuff that he's been selling on HBO, ESPN TV, ESPN Radio. Your white guilt should kick in, people. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. You know him, you love him, you see him, you watched him. Merrill Hodge, former NFL great. He was also a terrific analyst 
on ESPN. I've said this, and I've said this publicly, and I will say this, and I'll continue to say it. There are a few guys, Sean Salisbury was one, Merrill Hodge was one, that when they were on television at the time at ESPN, uh, I stopped and watched, and that is few and far between. I want to get right into the NFL with you. A couple of things. You know, uh, on Fox, Joy Taylor, who is, I guess, the sister, I think, of Jason Taylor, um, she came out, and this seems to always be a conversation, Merrill. Like 10 weeks after the season, Mike McCarthy's getting <laughs> fired, and we wonder if Dak Prescott is any good, right? So I'm right. going to ask you about Dak Prescott. Is he good enough to get to the Super Bowl? Is he good enough to run through the NFC? Um, I believe he is. You know, listen, everybody's, you know, looking at a couple plays against the San Francisco 49ers. You know, the one play everybody documents, you know, the misread on third and six when he's got – he throws it to the guy that's man-to-man down the chute. You know, obviously it was a bad read. But I'll tell you what went south with that team. And let me clarify this. Teams win championships. I know the quarterback is important. I'm not minimizing that. And their role is significant. However, teams win championships. If you watch the Cowboys, when Tony Pollard went down, they're a completely different team. You know, all the balance that they had, their running attack was dissolved. What he does in the passing game, gone. And that affected that that team. Now, did he make a couple misreads? Yeah, he did. He made, you know, the first pick was on the wide receiver. It was a comeback route. He didn't. He chose to stop and just sit there. It wasn't on um, Dak Prescott. But it looks like it was on Dak Prescott because when you go to the other one, yeah, it was on Dak, Dak Prescott that he missed the read. He didn't see the double. But I can tell you this. I've seen Peyton Manning make that mistake. I've seen Tom Brady make that mistake in an AFC championship game, by the way. So it isn't like any like these quarterbacks are immune to that. And I just see when you look at his overall skill set, he has plenty um, to get you to winning the Super Bowl because that's what it's about, winning the Super Bowl. It's not getting you to an NFC championship. It's not getting you to the playoffs. If that's as far as they're going to get you, then get somebody else. Uh, but I believe that – but he's not the kind of guy that is going to shoulder the load when you're deficient somewhere. But he is completely good enough when you have balance like they did have till Tony Pollard went down and the way they were playing in that game. So um, I wouldn't lose faith in Dak. I've watched him since the day I watched him in college. I watched him come out in the National Football League. And his skill set is good enough to win you a Super Bowl. Let me ask you, uh, and this is totally <clears throat> kind of on the subject, but a little bit off. Here in Indianapolis, we're all excited because Anthony Richardson has immense talent. You played in the league. You studied the league. What, what's the shelf life now? What's the, you know, it used to be guy sits out a year or two, he learns. I think they're going to throw this guy right in the fire. Gardner Menchu's there, but he's going to be more of a mentor. What, what, what's, what's reasonable here in Indy for Richardson in his first year? Well, I, listen, I think it's an arduous, arduous journey um, for this reason. And we'll get to this as we talked about other subjects, other quarterbacks. And this is the foundational, foundational skills you have to have in the National Football League to have a chance for success. These two things have to be woven as one. You've got to be an excellent processor. That means decision-making and accuracy. If you do not have this, I could care less what you have. I don't care less, could care less that he ran a 4-4-40. I could care less in his underwear if he threw it 85 yards to somebody who wasn't even being covered and there was nobody rushing him um, as a quarterback. Okay, see, all that is is a skill set. It tells you nothing about playing quarterback. So let's go back to that. He ran a 4-4-40, threw the ball 80 yards, and then he became a great quarterback. That says nothing about playing quarterback in the National Football League. Now, everybody will admit to this. If you did your research, you know about the NFL, you know the difference from college to the NFL. 
He is in first grade math. That's how, but he's about to enter a doctorate program. So how are you going to get him from first grade math is where he is now as far as understanding the game, conceptually playing it. He displayed that in college. He was not a very good decision maker. He was not very accurate. He was inconsistent in every aspects of the game where you've got to be accurate in this game. So if you're just going to throw him to the fire, it's going to be, it's going to be an arduous process. Um, I think, and I've seen this many times, you ruin people mentally a lot quicker than you do physically when you put them in an environment they're not prepared for. He is not prepared for that. So how do you take a guy from first grade math and get to a doctorate program? Uh, he's got to go to high school. He's got to go to college and he's got to grow and develop. Okay. Where are you going to do that? When are you going to do that? I mean, you're going to sit. He needs a, he needs probably a minimum four years to sit and work and study in this game. There's no way he's getting four years. So now you're going to put him out there with that particular skill set. And here's what they will do. You know, people start talking about, well, look what they did in Philly. That's not even a fair comparison to what they're doing in Philly. Okay. That means you're going to run him a lot. Well, if you're going to run him a lot, he's not going to last. He won't last a couple of years. Look at everybody who tries to run. Look at Lamar Jackson, last three years, yet to finish the season. And he gets worse and worse and he declines further and further the more he runs. Eventually, you got to take whatever you do with your legs with people that are really good athletically, and you got to put it right here or right here, depending what, what, what ball, what arm you throw the ball from. Um, I just think it's a, it's going to be a it's going to be a hard project. It's a ma- it's a massive project, and you're not going to fix these two things. You're not going to fix accuracy. He is not an accurate player. You, you've never fixed that. You can work on it, but you never fix it. And he's not accurate enough to be consistently successful in the NFL. And his decision making process was very average at best in college. Now you take him to a doctorate level. I, it's just. It, it, it doesn't it doesn't bode well for Indianapolis. I know they're excited because he's a great athlete. I know he's going to work hard. I know he's going to study hard. He's going to do all those things. But you can't fix those things. And, you know, this NFL, the, the league is littered with players like that. But there's coaches, oh, I'll fix it. You know, I'll make him smart. I'll make him accurate. It's never happened. It has never happened. You know, uh, um, I'm just I'm trying to think of um, – um, Buffalo's quarterback, gosh dang it, my brain's just escaping me. Um, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Okay, geez. Josh, everybody will throw Josh Allen go, well, he wasn't very accurate, and he became accurate. No, 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 not true. He was inconsistent vertically. That's it. What happened to Josh Allen, because I've known Josh Allen since he was he was at Wyoming. My son was at BYU, so I've have, like I got a history with Josh Allen. In college, you have 20 hours to work, okay? In the NFL, you can work 20 hours a day if you choose, Okay, so he had limited time, and his ability to throw deep, his receivers were inconsistent. He was inconsistent. He would fairly admit that. What he did in the NFL is when he got there, now I have guys that are pros. They're consistent. I throw to them. I work on on it every single day to develop that inconsistency. But he wasn't inconsistent short or intermediate. He was very consistent. He had accuracy in his game. He was just inconsistent vertically. He developed that. He worked on that. He harnessed that. Richardson is inconsistent everywhere everywhere okay you know people go i watched that utah game shoot man he, he's gonna be a pro yeah. he did complete balls in that game but there was almost no run after catch because of the accurate bad accuracy and people were wide open but they're reading back to catch the football they're going down to catch the football that just doesn't work in the nfl you just can't survive in the nfl and be consistent and win a championship with a guy with that particular skill set issue 
Well, let me ask you then, because you've got C.J. Stroud down in Texas. You've got um, Bryce Young in Carolina. Uh, who do you rather have? What do you see out of them? Okay, I want the guy that doesn't have limitations. Okay, so let's go back to the two things that I just talked about that are staples in this league, accuracy and, cons- and, and uh, your accuracy and processing. So they are, they're woven as one. Both guys have that. Okay, both guys process things very well. They're really good decision makers, and they're accurate. Okay, now we got to start building. When I talk about inconsistency, I mean, when I talk about deficiencies, now you look, you've got one guy who's about five nine and a half and about a buck eighty. Okay, in the NFL is different than in college. You play from a dirty pocket. People are collapsing around you, and it is part of the National Football League. Alabama doesn't have this a lot. Ohio State doesn't have this a lot. So you have to study that aspect of it and see how well do they play in a dirty pocket. Okay, now here's where the limitations come. When you look at C.J. Stroud, his size and his arm strength, he can threaten every inch of this field no matter what the pocket's like, whether it's clean or whether it's dirty. Okay, I don't have to worry about schematically trying to protect him because he's so small and that if he takes a hit, he may not see the next down and I might lose him for two weeks. And his ability to throw the football out of that is not a limitation. So he can threaten the entire field, even if it becomes dirty, okay, because of his size and his arm strength. His arm strength is ridiculous and his accuracy and anticipation. Now, when you go to when you're 5'9 and you're a buck 85, that's a problem thrown from the pocket. You can't threaten every inch of the field. You almost become like an umbrella of areas you can throw the football. You're limited. And when teams know you're limited and they collapse the pocket, well, they play coverage like that. They're not dumb. NFL is one of the most sophisticated games you're going to ever see on the planet. And they understand his limitations. So they can play coverage to that. That is an advantage to the defense where you have no advantage with C.J. Stroud defensively because of his size and his arm strength. So, uh, and, I've, and I've said this, I would never have taken um, him in the first round. C.J. Stroud is the only guy I would have taken in the first round of the quarterbacks that came out. I thought he was the best in every aspect of that position, giving you the best chance to win. Um, the other, When you look at the other guy and his ability or lack of being able to be there on a consistent basis for you, you look at his second year, he missed a bunch of games. Why did he miss a bunch of games? Because their team wasn't as good as they were the year before, and people got to him, people hit him. And when you get hit, I've, I've said this, I've watched him on tape, I actually gave him a 10 for toughness. However, when you come to the National Football League and they hit you, I mean, I'm afraid that someone's going to get arrested for murder. Because when they hit him, he may not get up. And you've got to accept that you're not, he's not going to be able to play for you, you know, the entire season. And you're going to have to protect him and do things to move him out of the pocket. So you're going to schematically have to add things in because of his deficiency. And I just don't want to do that as a coach. When I have that choice, give me a guy I don't have deficiencies with. That's who I want to build my offense around. Don't put limitations on me. And he puts limitations on you. His ability to throw from the pocket and his ability to be accurate in a dirty pocket. And that's the environment he's coming to. And that's how you have to transition these guys. So I would have taken C.J. Stroud in a heartbeat. You know, you've talked a lot about injury, you know, running quarterback injured, little guy injured. You know, the one guy, Tristan Wirth, says it needs, the NFL needs to add an extra bye week. You think so? Well, you know, when you said that to me, you know, the first, my first thought is, you know, based on the length of the season, you know, that just makes it so much longer. Now, 
there might be an advantage to it. And you'd have to be strategically smart with this. You know, some guys, some teams that get it in week three, you know, you got to get that, you know, you can't give it to them week five, you know, or they get them. So you'd have to be strategically smart with how you did that. I initially, my gut is, I don't think you need another bye week you know, and I played, you know, we're, there's only one more game now. We had no bye week and we went into the playoffs and I didn't find that to be a, a true factor. Rosters have expanded too. And that's some of, what's helped, you know, with the added game to the, to the, to the season, you know, having, having an extra game, um, adding people to the roster is probably a better answer than a bye week because it gets more players, gives more opportunities for players. I would rather see that rosters expand than, um, than a bye, than a bye week. I think one bye week is, is enough. Um, if you did two, you'd have to be strategically smart with how you did it. You know, you couldn't bump them back to back, you know, or within a month period because that'd be a waste of time and you'd probably create, all kinds of chaos that you didn't need with just one bye week. I'd rather see rosters expand and you got more players and you can manage players better throughout the season. The third quarterback you got to have, don't you? Or you, you, you think or no? Well, uh, well, that goes back to my roster thing. Um, I don't think there's any problem right. with, you know, like the more depth we're talking about, you know, um, Having having guys like go <laughs> out. The reason I'm saying that why I'm hesitating because I'm like I'm thinking like a coach. And that's the last thing I want to do is use my third quarterback. <laughs> but um, you know, having right, guys right. that you know you know could could, could listen can keep you afloat based on when somebody goes down. You know, there's some guys you can't replace. You know, like I, I think in Pittsburgh, you know, T.J. Watt went down. You know, just last year. You know, he missed, I think, about a month. And you mind what a difference like just one player makes. You know, like, most teams have that one guy. Um, but guys like that, you, you can't replace, you know, that's like putting a Band-Aid on open heart surgery. You know, you, you're doing nothing for that. Um, but the greater depth that you have, the better off that's going to be for your team. You know, and having three guys as your quarterback, let's use San Francisco, for example. You know, they get in the playoffs. I mean, you're down to your running back. You know, you're down to your running back that's, you know, going to be your third quarterback. So having that, that ability to develop guys like that and have them in case of situations like that. Keep in mind, that's, that doesn't happen very often, but I wouldn't be opposed to it, Dan. And I, I go back to, you know, forget the buy, extra bye week. I'd rather have more players on the roster, being guys having an opportunity to play in the National Football League and making your team better. Yeah, you know, it's really funny. It's like, man, uh, I remember when the big debate in Indianapolis was <clears throat> who's going to be the backup to Peyton Manning. And I remember saying on the radio, well, I got to tell you, it really don't matter because if Peyton Manning goes yeah. down, you ain't getting where you want to get to anyway. Right. I mean, it's just, it, that's kind of an answer. Right. Well, you know, it's funny, you know, you just mentioned um, Peyton Manning or Tom Moore was the offensive coordinator there and orchestrated Peyton Manning's almost in his entire career. Well, he was my first offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh when I got to Pittsburgh he just went into the Hall of Fame a couple weeks ago, which gives it a shout out to to one of the great coaches in NFL history. Even though he wasn't a head coach, and maybe people don't really know that name, that was one of the greatest coaches in NFL history. He's still actually coaching. He's with Tampa Bay. He's worked with Tom Brady, yeah. uh, Peyton Manning. You know, he he really developed Bubby Brister early on in his career, and he's orchestrated all kinds of great careers in the NFL, but that's actually one of his, I think one of his great quotes, they never let the backup quarterback play. Now he has more colorful language than I'm going to use, but I'm going to paraphrase <laughs> yeah. it away. Yeah. You know, he was asked about that and he's like, uh, well, if Peyton Manning goes down, we're screwed. He goes, we don't practice getting screwed. 
Okay, so they, the, the second quarterback ain't going to practice because we're screwed. <laughs> so, so the third one, you know what's happening on the third guy. And that's just right. Tom Moore. I mean, and that's, you know, but that when you have a guy like Peyton Manning, that's true. You know, a guy like Tom Brady, that's true. You know, you're not, it's going to be, be a significant drop off when you, when you put that other guy in there. So um, that's why I was hesitating. I'm sitting there going, do I, I'm thinking this as a player. Do I think of this as a coach? And then I think of it, you know, just overall, like the more players that you could make that we can put on your roster, you know, that can help you win championships. Cause I'll go back to what I said in the beginning. No quarterback has ever single-handedly won a Super Bowl. No defense has single-handedly won a Super Bowl. You have three components to a team, offense, defense, and special teams. Teams win championships. And the more you have to make you a better football team, the better chances you have of winning. It's pretty simple, I mean, in a lot of ways. Merrill, thanks. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. I hope you'll come back. Dan, anytime you, you ask, I'll be there, my brother. Thank you. That's the great Merrill Hodge. That was a master class in football you just got right there. I love talking to smart people. I do. And nobody studies it like Merrill. And I got to tell you, it's just fun talking to a guy like Merrill because that's real football. It's not fanboy football. Like here in Indianapolis, oh, man, Richardson's going to be great. All right, well, you just got a little master class there. We talked about coaches. I'm going to give you right now. I'm going to give you my top five all-time coaches now. Now, I got to tell you, I did not go back to Casey Stengel. Uh, my buddy Kevin and I were going through last night. I didn't go to Miller Huggins. I didn't even go to Tony LaRussa. Now, I am also, well, frankly, I'm also a hypocrite here because I have told you that I think Bob Knight is the best basketball coach in the history of college basketball, but I don't have him uh, uh, as the number one coach on this list in terms of college basketball coaches. Number five, Bob Knight. Look, to me, Bob Knight is the best basketball coach in the history of college basketball. He is not, though, the most decorated coach. Yes, he won the Pan American Games. Yes, he won the Olympic gold medal. Yes, he won three national championships. Yes, 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 and more yes. When he retired, he was the all-time winningest coach in NCAA history. You don't like him, I don't care. I don't like him personally. I got nothing for him personally, and I hope his health is okay. I don't think it is, but I've been told it isn't, but I hope his health is okay. But the fact of the matter is, I think he is one of the five all-time greatest coaches in the history of coaching, whether it is college football, college basketball, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball. You can put Scotty Bowman in there. I just didn't know enough about him. Number four. I got Bill Belichick at number four. I got Belichick at number four because, well, frankly, uh, he should be number one, I suppose, but he has really slipped. Without Tom Brady, he has not been great. In Cleveland, he was very good. In Cleveland, he had a winning record. He got fired in Cleveland, though. He took the Jets job, backed out of it after a day, which, of course, I support. But then all of a sudden, Bill Belichick heads to New England, and he gets Tom Brady. And next thing you know, he's winning Super Bowls like it's his job, which, oh, by the way, it is his job. Yeah, it is. So, long story short, well, I got him at number four. He, had, he should be number one. Like, don't tell me about Lombardi. Don't tell me about Shula. Don't tell me about Landry. Don't tell me about any of these guys. The only person I'm going to tell you that could even come close to him, doesn't exist. 
It doesn't. Oh man, I got this thing stuck in my ear. The ne- the person that comes closest to him does not exist in the NFL. He's got too many titles. But I'm not putting him number one because he's been bad actually since not having Brady. Not good. No playoff win. Nothing. Zero. I guess they went to the playoffs. Nothing. Number three, you can get mad at me all you'd like, but Urban Meyer won national championships at not one, but two different schools. Urban Meyer, when he went to Bowling Green, he changed the entire place. Like they are still, ah, man, they are still basking in the glow of Urban Meyer being there because of the football building and upgrading the place. Then he goes to Utah, and guess what? He goes undefeated at Utah. I want to say that again. The man goes undefeated, undefeated at Utah. Oh, he's your friend. Well, you're right. He is my friend. He's absolutely my friend. I talked to him last night about our golf outing, and we're raising money, and it's a good time. But anyway, yeah, so he's number three. And then, of course, he wins a national title at freaking Florida. Then, of course, he wins a national title. Actually, wins two national titles at Florida. And then he goes and wins a national title. At where? At Ohio State. Now, you guys are mad because it's all white dudes. I don't know what to tell you. I'm just telling you my top five coaches. You can make out with it what you want. I may need pliers for this thing. This will get interesting. Hang on, because this is driving me back. I don't know what to do. I honestly don't. This is embarrassing. But I'm going to get to number two here in a second. Anybody got any pliers? Send them to me. Send them to me. Uh, anyway, number two, Mike Shashevsky. This is where my hypocrisy goes in. This is where it's like, all right, Dan, you said Knight's the best basketball coach. But you got Coach K, uh, number two, and Knight, number five. Well, I got to tell you, here's why I did this. Because Coach K is more decorated. He is. I'm sorry. Coach K is more decorated. I mean, when you look at all this stuff, I mean, I don't know, 13 Final Fours, 15 NCAA or ACC tournament championships, 13 regular season titles. I don't know. Five national titles. Only John Wooden has more. Did K cheat? Probably. I don't know. I mean, it seems like he made uh, things go away. What did he make go away? Well, he made an article in the somewhere in Louisiana about his program and Carlos Boozer and Trajan Langdon and all these guys' families moving to Duke before the NIL and before the shoe business. And, of course, Marvin Bagley Jr., who I told you was going to be a bust, who I told you was a selfish player, who I told you. And I told the Pacers, do not take. Well, Marvin Bagley Jr.'s family, for whatever the reason, moved to Durham, an exclusive neighborhood. Look, I don't know, and I don't care. Kay had a great career. Kay was fantastic. 30 straight years in the tournament. Blah, three-time Naismith Coach of the Year, which is amazing. Two-time and, and you know, five-time ACC Coach of the Year, which is unbelievable. Five NCAA titles, 13 regionals, and Final Fours. I mean, what do you want me to do? Uh, Wooden, better resume, only guy really ever than Kay. He won the uh, he won a couple of Olympic gold medals. He re- he changed the entire deal of USA Basketball. What am I going to tell you? You can make the argument that Mike Krzyzewski is the number one coach of all time. You can make that argument. But I'm going to go with Nick Saban, and you all are going to be mad. But Nick Saban, to me, uh, when I look 
at Duke, I see an area with players. When I look at Ohio State and I look at Florida, I see an area with players. One of the reasons Urban Meyer is great is because he won championships at both, but he also went and took Utah undefeated, place without players. If you really think about Alabama, if you really think about it, there have been a lot of coaches there that haven't done much. There have been a lot of coaches there that, frankly, haven't done squat. Uh, David Shula comes to mind. You know, Gene Stallings certainly did. But this man here has won titles. This man here has won seven national championships in football. He's won 10 SEC titles. He and I have won the same amount of MAC titles. He's been the coach of the year. He's been all this stuff. Yeah, one year in Miami didn't go great, but here's another guy that won not one, but two championships at two different schools. I'm sorry, he won championships at two different schools, not two championships, and then he goes and wins seven. Now, I don't know about you, but until somebody, you know, beats that, I don't want to hear it. And I'll say this also with Urban Meyer and Nick Saban. They did it against each other. And I want you to think about that. It's not just Slappy Johnny and the fellas. I'm getting this out and I win. It's not just Slappy Johnny and the fellas that he's coaching against. You know, same with Kay. Kay was up against Dean Smith. Kay was up against Roy Williams. I mean, you're talking about real dudes. Real dudes in the real league. Now, I would argue that the SEC, the bottom of the SEC, you can have. I mean, Vanderbilt's no good. Our guy in South Carolina is getting it good. Shane Beamer. I love Shane Beamer. Big fan of Shane Beamer, and he's getting it good. Mississippi's have just been okay. You know, I mean, Dan Mullen did a great job at Mississippi State. Florida's not nearly as good as it was when Urban was there. Georgia is the new team, and maybe at some point we will do one of two things with Georgia. We, I guarantee you this is one of two things. We're going to have him on the, quote, Mount Rushmore. We will have Georgia either, uh, Kirby Smart, either on the Mount Rushmore, or we're going to have Kirby Smart in the Bob Knight, Bob Huggins, Fitzgerald category because what's going on in Georgia, I get it. Maybe this is a maybe I'm supposing here, but what's going on in Georgia ain't great. It's just not. You know, Georgia football players have not really upheld uh, their honor, I guess, is what I would say. Uh, they wouldn't, they, they haven't, and they need to. But the fact of the matter is, I'm going to take Saban number one. I am. So you got Bob Knight five, Belichick four, Urban three, uh, Mike Krzyzewski two, and Nick Saban numero uno. Maybe. You tell me who you would put on that list. And I can't, I look, I can't go back. It's like I tell people all the time. Don't argue with me about one thing. The most difficult record in sports to break is 511 wins by Cy Young. Nobody's touching that. I mean, nobody is even close to it now. And now pitchers, if they win 10 games, they win the Cy Young Award. I don't want to hear it. I don't. So, having said that, don't argue with me with this. This list is the only one that matters. But tell me your list because I want to see it and I want to hear it. Yeah, I do. What a great day we had yesterday. All right, I got some more headlines. And I'm going to show you the wheelbarrow of cheer that our friend Sean Black won in a raffle. And by the way, some are accusing me of fixing the raffle because Sean's my friend. Uh Uh-huh. No, we, I, didn't draw the, I didn't draw the numbers. 
Sean Black, 9999, I think, were his last four digits that he won. The wheelbarrow and cheer, ladies, and a bunch of stuff when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, we hosted a golf tournament yesterday that was unlike any other. It was an absolute blast. I thank our friend Ryan. And, of course, I thank Sean Black, El Presidente, my boy KC, Otter Creek in the house. It's just a blast. I want to go to our top story. But before we do, I'm going to show you how you handle a heckler. I'm going to show you how you go about the business of, first off, you know what? A crazy lady yelling. She doesn't want to be a crazy lady. Vivette Ramaswamy handles this woman perfectly. Stay with the whole video. You got to see what happens towards the end. Go ahead. Let's play Vite Ramaswamy, and I want to get him on my show. Gender transition today. We're done teaching our troops. Protect all women. Protect all women. our minds openly even if we all don't agree on it so let's actually applaud her for the courage come into a room yeah i mean but the question because why you gotta be a raving lunatic anyway i mean why you gotta be a crazy ass karen anyway i mean i you know and this is what i always say to people look i know she got excited but uh vite yamaswami uh handled that great he really did. I mean, and she did as well towards the end. But it's like on Twitter, guys just rip my ass. And I'm like, well, what? And then I'm like, well, what's the problem? And then they settle down. And I'm always like, well, why don't you just say that anyway? Why don't you just do that? I mean, why has everybody got to be out of their freaking minds all the time? Nobody needs to be out of your mind. Just talk to people. It works out pretty good. No, nah, it really does. 
listen to this. Listen to this story. This amazes me. This really does. A teenage girl was accused of hate speech. Hate speech after protesting transgenders in YMCA locker rooms. So this little girl, teenage girl, goes to the YMCA. It's fun to stay at the YMCA. You know what I mean. And you're supposed to hang out, right? Have a good time. Go work out. 16-year-old girl banned from YMCA and kicked off her swim team for opposing a naked male in her locker room. And to make matters worse, her older sister had to go through the exact same thing with Leah Thomas. But it's not really happening. People say it's not really happening. By the way, Riley Gaines, uh, her show starts Wednesday, her podcast here on OutKick, because you know what? OutKick is becoming the go-to. But, I mean, why is this even a conversation? Why, why is it? Like, why are we even... Why are we even discussing having women, men, in a woman's locker room? First time, people are saying this didn't happen, but they're full of crap. It happened to my wife. She came out the other day. She was on her way to uh, back from Syracuse. She had driven out there to take some stuff out to her son, and she's driving back. She goes, Dan, man, some big old dude with a ponytail, like wearing women's clothes, walked into the women's locker room. She goes, I don't know. I was walking out. He was walking in and he looked so uncomfortable. I felt bad for him. But the truth of the matter is, what's he doing? Like, what are you doing? And people said, that say this didn't happen are full of crap. Of course it happens. It's happening all the time. I mean, I, it just makes you sick. It's like, just stop this crap. Hey, you want a transgender to become a woman? Then do all the transgender becoming a woman stuff. But until then, nobody needs to see your PP in a woman's locker room, and you don't need to be in there unless. Now, I will give you one thing. I've gone twice in the women's restroom because when I got to go, I got to go. And frankly, what happens is sometimes the men's room, and I look around in a Starbucks, and I know what it is, and I go in, and I'm good. But damn, okay, I'm telling on myself, good. Megan Rapino's not going to like you. Good. Good, 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 and more good. Uh, IU Health aims to award 30% of downtown hospital projects to diverse contractors. How about we hire the best contractors? But hey, look, do whatever you want. I understand the deal. I do. I totally understand it. I get it. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, Guy Fieri, Mel Gibson are all on the great Jack White's S list. Because, well, they associate with Trump. So, again, uh, our most, our most, our most, what do you call them? Uh, I don't know. What, 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 do you, what do you call them? Our most tolerant are being very intolerant. Apparently, there's a guy named Jack White. And Jack White is a musician. And Donald Trump appeared at UFC 290 this past week and walked into T-Mobile Sent her to an electric, and it was an electric response. The crowd went it nut, went nuts when he came in with American Badass, and Trump took time to speak to Mel Gibson, Joe Rogan, Mark Wahlberg, and many others. Some guy named Jack White, he's pissed. Uh, that's a bridge too far for old Jack White. He said this, it's disgusting people for speaking to the former president. Anyone who normalizes or treats this disgusting fascist, racist, con man, disgusting piece of S, Trump with any level of respect, is also disgusting in my book. That's good. That starts with you, Joe Rogan, you, Mel Gibson, you, Mark Wahlberg, you, Guy Fieri. This is a statement from me, not a discussion or a debate. All right. Hey, what are you going to do, man? I don't know. 
So some guy, some musician named Jack White's pissed. All right. What about Jack Black? Is Jack Black pissed? I don't know. You know, Jack White's like some 10-year-old, little cross-dresser looking like, I don't know. Uh, he's mad. He got the blue hair. He dresses up. Good for Jack White, man. Yeah. All right. He called out Guy Fieri. He called out Mark Wahlberg. He called out Mel Gibson. Yeah, tough. Good. Good for you, man. Good for you. And, of course, USA Today ran with it. Uh, some guy named Charles Tepay. Uh, Jack White accuses Mark Wahlberg and others of normalizing Trump. It's disgusting. Well, what are you going to do, sweetie? Look, Jack White, I got to tell you something, Peaches. You'll be all right. You'll be all right. We got free speech. You should learn to love. You should learn to be inclusive. You should learn not to be so Trump-phobic. You should learn not to have a derangement syndrome. Just live and let live, baby. Love is love. Maybe Mel Gibson loves Donald Trump. Maybe Mark Wahlberg loves Donald Trump. Maybe Guy Fieri loves Donald Trump. Maybe Mel Gibson loves Donald Trump. Love is love, baby. It's not just gay love that love is love. Love is love, baby. Yeah. And Jack White dyes his hair blue, considers buying a cell phone before starting his next tour. When what happened, I was like, oh, okay, I'm done. I'm truly done. Speech is good to be done. I don't know. Then be done. Who cares? Stacy Dash, be done. All of you, be done. I don't care. I think it's kind of funny. Do your thing. Uh, Chiefaholic has finally been arrested after he allegedly robbed a bank and laundered money. Look, I'm just telling you, man, the weird dude that you're hanging around is a weird dude if he dresses up and he goes nuts at football games and he's Chiefaholic. If Chiefaholic is your buddy, you probably knew. You're probably like, hey, I got to tell you, uh, this Chiefaholic guy that you guys think is so great, you guys think is so cool, that you guys think is such a whatever, it ain't that. Nah, it ain't. There's a lot going on with Chiefaholic. There's a lot going on with anybody that dresses up other than the official mascot of the team. And I, I like some of the guys. I like the Buckeye guys. They're all great. But we and all, we just absolutely love, you know what I mean? Ooh, the outkick thing. How good does Dan look today? 10 out of 10. I'm stuck to my seat right now and I'm sweating. Yeah. I'm going 10 out of 10. I do look good today. Really? I'm all tanned up. I'm all tanned up. I was hitting golf balls. There'll be a video uh, from our golf outing coming up because my man, my man Ryan was there, and he was working. In fact, a couple of my guys said, wow, your guy there is working. I go, I know. He got to the golf course early. He set it up yesterday, and then he got the video camera out, and we had a great day. You won't read about it anywhere, but it was a great day. Crowds visiting. Crowds visiting Disney have thinned this year. Fourth of July weekend, the slowest in nearly a decade. Price hikes, changes to park operations. You, you can... Man, I, I tell you this, it costs a lot to go to Disney. No, it does. You go to Disney, man, you are paying out the wazizzle. You are. And who wants to pay out the wazizzle? I don't. Look, Disney being Disney is cool. Disney being Disney is fine. But you keep jacking these prices up, man. Holy cow. Yeah, I don't like it. And, of course, the whole woke thing. I have a friend. His name is Kevin. I like Kevin. Kevin is all in on, look, 
You can boycott Anheuser-Busch all you want, but they got great people. He's in the, been in the booze business for a long, long time. And I told him yesterday, I go, I like what you're doing. Hey, I like when people stand up. Everybody doesn't have to believe what I believe. I've had people say to me, hey, look, you uh, tweeted something that goes against Clay and what the guys on Outkicker right? And I say, you should. Of course it should. We should all make our opinions well known. Makes for a better society. Makes for a better country. Makes for, quite frankly, more damn fun. Much more fun. All right. Brian Cashman made the first ever change to his coaching staff. Now, you may not know who Brian Cashman is. I will tell you because here's the deal. Here's why I say that. Because anybody might say, well, Dan, if you don't know who Brian Cashman is, you shouldn't be around. I say, okay. But I got to tell you, here's the deal. People don't understand. They don't understand that everybody doesn't live and die with the Yankees. Everybody doesn't live and die with them. Everybody doesn't just say, oh, my God, the Yankees are it. So I say to you, this is who Brian Cashman is. He fired the hitting coach, Dylan Lawson. Okay. First ever midseason change. So this guy, Dylan Lawson, I got to tell you, he got to feel like 10 pounds of bad road, like his career is over. He was fired midseason after the Cubs Sunday 7-4 victory over the Yankees. It's the first First, mid-season coaching change. Now, those of you that are old as me, you remember Billy Martin, right? Uh, old Steinbrenner used to fire Billy Martin like in the middle of the season and bring him back. It became a joke. They made Miller Lite commercials. They were great. They made fun of each other back when the country could be made fun of. How about that? All right, let me show you guys what El Presidente won yesterday. We have a raffle. It's called a wheelbarrow at cheer. And you go get raffle tickets. And in getting raffle tickets, you know, you do your thing. You get out there and you hope to win. You never think you're going to win. But, hey, maybe you do win. So my friend El Presidente, a.k.a. Sean Black, he decided he's come to the golf outing for the fourth or fifth year. He's fantastic. We love the man. We do. I think he's great. So what does he do? He gets involved in the wheelbarrow of cheer, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, he does. He gets in the wheelbarrow of cheer, and that's what he won right there. Look at all that booze. You got to pump that up. I'm telling you right now. That's unbelievable. I mean, he won so much booze that it's hard to even get it into the cart. There's wine in there. There's bourbon in there. There's many bourbons in there. There is hard truth vodka and different spirits in there. Uh, my friends from Moondrops Distillery put some stuff in there. My buddy Kevin Paschke, he works like crazy on this thing. And every single year, every year, it is the number one selling item at my Audi. People love it. And my man, my man right there, Sean Black. He got her done. Where's Jody Shelton going? Where are you going? He's off to the gym. All right, you see it right there. There's my bike guy, Brett Glaze. Sean Black on the left. Glazer on the right. And me and my fat, you know what, in the middle. That's what he won. It pays to listen to the show, and it pays, damn it, it pays. It does. It pays to go to my outing. 
because you're going to have a great time. And I got to tell you, whoo, that's a lot of booze. All right, let's see what we got Wokadope style. I love Wokey-a-dopey. But here, you know, as soon I, somehow my program is out on my uh, chat here. So I'm going to have to go, and I might be a second slow on, uh, there we go. There's one thing I love more than stealing others' ideas, and that's stealing others' freedom of speech. Look, let's not make any mistake. Zuckerberg, I got to tell you, Zuckerberg stole the Van Winkelsteins, you know what I mean? Stole their idea, made billions, paid them off, made billions, all over a woman, all over a woman, old Zucky. So now he he wants to censor. He wants to censor us. He wants to be in pocket with the Democrats. He wants to be in pocket with the liberals. He wants to be so far left that he doesn't want people like you and I speaking, and it's working. Somebody said today on the YouTube chat, right when we started, there's some shenanigans going on with YouTube and Facebook about our show. I know there is. There are certain days where if I just tweet something, man, it explodes. There are other days when if I tweet something, man, it's like pulling teeth. Yesterday was one of those days. Yesterday, we get over three, 400 people on uh, the show at any one time. And then when I retweet it, we get up to 10, 15,000, maybe 20,000 views. There's way more than that on different sites, but that's just a YouTube thing. But some days when I retweet like yesterday, it does not jump at all. So you, Zuckerberg, are taking my joy. And I'm not letting anybody taking my freaking joy. Number two, woke it up. I got some more stories for you. I got some more stuff going on. Numero dos. Oh, man. You're you're in oven pizzas. You're cooking in ovens. And we're all going to die because some 12-year-old little girl named Greta Thornburg is mad. Really? And Crazy Trigger Lady is mad. Really? Yeah. Crazy Trigger Lady's pissed. And so we're all gonna we're we're all gonna die. No, we're not. Just shut up. Hey, have any of you noticed? Uh I don't know if you've seen this, but 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 uh uh, uh, uh it's been the hottest couple days ever. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. You know, what can I tell you? Maybe get rid of the ovens and it wouldn't be so hot. Stupid. All right, give me the third wokey adopey. Share Coke with Hunter. <laughs> oh, remember that Coca-Cola? They put names on the side to get Dan to buy Dan bottles, to get Sean to buy Sean bottles, to get Jody to buy Jody bottles. You know what I'm saying? Hey, share a Coke with Hunter. Yeah. I don't think, although that's how this started, I don't think that's the Coke they were talking about. I could be wrong. I could be very, very, very wrong. I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. But I don't think I'm that wrong when I say that, ladies and gentlemen, is the meaning of Coca-Cola. Share a Coke with Hunter T. Biden. Yeah. Yeah. There was no Bud Light. No, people are asking, was there Bud Light in the wheelbarrow of cheer? No. 
couple of my friends drank uh, ultras from the bar. I think they had it at the clubhouse. But I got to tell you, there was none. And I went to a wedding Friday night. Yingling was the beer of everyone's choice. It was Yingling, Corona, and Coors. And I'm not mad about it. Look, I said it earlier. I'm not mad if anybody like my friend Kevin wants to have 100 Bud Lights. Don't bother me. I mean, I shouldn't bother you either. Why would it bother anybody? You want to have Bud Light? Have Bud Light. But I'm not. You know, I'm just not. Others may. That's great. You know what I mean? Appreciate you, Van Pastor, man. The wheelbarrow was cool. And I say to all of you, give us pizza or give us death. Hey, how about this? You're not going to believe this one. Uh, the Live Tournament Championship round. The championship of the Live Tour is going to be played where? At Trump National at Doral. Yeah, that's where it should be played. You know what? Get over yourselves. Get, just get over yourselves. Uh, stop it. Just, I don't like it. I don't want it played. They're good. Then don't go. Good. Then don't watch. Good. Then don't play. That looks pretty nice to me. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with that picture. If I'm going to go play in a tour championship, whether it is the PGA tour, whether it is the live tour, guess where I'm staying? I want to stay there. I don't give a damn who owns it. I guarantee you half the hotels we stay in are owned by the Saudis or the Chinese. I guarantee you. I guarantee you when you look at who's doing the investing, that's it. The Saudis or the Chinese, and none of you care even a little bit. So stop caring about Donald Trump's place. Well, Dr. Joe, stop caring as soon as you care. Stop caring about Bud Light. You know what? Donald Trump didn't put a fake woman, woman and denigrate women by putting a fake woman. Yeah, but he's the one that said grab him by the... Yeah, I don't care. Every guy in America said something like that at some point. Maybe not you, because, of course, you're perfect. Every guy in America has said stupid stuff like that about women. And every woman in America has said stupid stuff like that about men. So as the great Ron Felling, or the not-so-great Ron Felling used to say, stop it, stupid. Stop it. Hey, a dad throws some chicken feed at the school board over a failure to ban sexually explicit books. Uh, a chicken feed at the school board? I think I can get down with that. Let's take a look. There's a big difference between a book ban and eliminating access to this material. Here's your chicken feed. I give you this gift as a way to demonstrate mine and many others' opinion of your lack of action. Chicken, too afraid. Matter of fact, your behavior gives chicken a bad name. Thank you. And there you go. You showed them chicken feed. He did it respectfully. He tossed it underhand. He had it in a bag. He didn't do it all Karen-like where you just throw a big thing of chicken feed and let it spread out all over the place. I see the point he's making. That's hillbilly justice right there, and I'm not mad about it. No, I'm not mad about it at all. Uh, Democratic Governor Phil Murray in deep, in deep blue state faces chorus of booze at concert as a singer tries to hush him. I got some video for you. This is not about politics. He's a friend of mine. Do not do that, please. 
Don't do that. He's a friend of mine. Don't do that. This is not about politics. Well, you brought a politician on the stage. I don't know. Didn't you bring a politician on the stage? So if you brought a politician on the stage, it is about, oh, I don't know, politics. No. I, 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 no. Phil Murray's a governor. He's an American. He's a diplomat. He's a politician. He's a Democrat, and he's in New Jersey. Look, you're not going to tell Jersey people not to boo some crappy-ass politician. Hey, 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 I'm a musician. Don't you do that. I brought a governor here. I brought the governor on stage, but this isn't about politics. Well, okay, then bring the baseball player on stage or bring the football player. But if you're going to bring a politician on stage in this climate, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get either crazy applause if it's Trump or you're going to get booing and you're going to be embarrassed and you're going to have to go all kind of crazy. I don't know. I just don't know. I'm asking the question. Uh, Dan, who was that guy that was drinking Bud Light last night? He was so insistent. That's my buddy Kevin. Here's a little video from the golf outing yesterday. Let me see that swing. I'm not digging my swing. Oh, that's terrible. That's a terrible. You know what that is? That's Bob Knight's swing. That's fat belly swing. That, oh, I thought I was good there. That's big breasted man swing. We had a great time yesterday. That's better, but I wasn't happy about it. Come on, Dan. You're swinging like old people have sex, slow and sloppy. Swing the club. It's a little hundred, uh, look at that belly. That's done. It's over. Lula, we're not having a belly anymore. Ooh, we're jan- dancing backwards because we thought we made it. Hey, Ryan, I need you to show that video every day at the end of the show. Here's why. I see my big belly, and every day at the end of the show, I do not want to go eat. I don't want to go eat. And if I see my big belly, then maybe I won't eat. I'm going on a 10-day cleanse, juice cleanse. I don't know. Grapefruit diet. I don't know. I'm eating bugs. Who knows? But when I see that, that's a belly, Gritty. That's a belly. Samuel King. Goodbye, folks. Screw Jack White. Love me some ice-cold yingling. Uh, John Buzzer says, diet number 400 starts today. It does. But Affinity just sent me some shots that I got to do. Not shots like this, shots in the belly. So I'm going to look it up, and it's going to help me. And I'm going to lose weight. But you got to show that at some point every, like, last 10 minutes after Wokadope of every show so I can see my fat, you know what, swinging. Now, now I, don't even, I don't even ask why I don't hit the ball far, as far as I should. I'm all bound up in the belly. Ew. Bugs and grapefruit, Ryan and Dylan and and Nick. That's our new diet. John Buzzard, join me. Hey, Dan, I saw you hit one. If it had two more feet, it would have been perfecto. Dan, I'm down 15. The key is to get too busy at work and to forget about eating. Yeah, stomach, King Nuts. Stomach, stomach, and more stomach, and I ain't happy about it. Son of a biscuit maker. Hey, Dan, the camera adds 20 pounds. Well, then there must have been six cameras on me. (laughs) 
Thanks, everybody. Hey, by the way, uh, our, our thing is just jumping our little online auction, Golf with Urban and I. My brother's outbidding me for the tickets for Vrabel, but that's all right. We're good with it. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Ryan. Thank, thank you so much, Ryan, for coming out. Dylan, great stuff as always. Of course, Nick, you are just killing it. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day, everybody.